Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. In this episode, we're discussing SST82, the St. Vitus album Born Too Late. And uh, for our listeners out there, you can't see this, but Brent actually has some black candles lit for this episode. <laughs> so we're definitely in the mood. Definitely. That's right. Vitus. Yeah. Uh, hey, Scambo, do you have any uh, spiels before we get into the Vitus? Yeah, I have a few. I was just, this is not a podcast I listen to regularly, but every once in a while I'll check out to see who's on Mark Maron's podcast. Oh yeah, I listened to that one. The Mark Arm one? Yeah, man. Right on. What'd you think? I thought it was pretty good. It was not a ton of stuff that I didn't know already, but I'll listen to any podcast with Mark Arm on it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the thing for me is like Mark Arm's pretty funny, so there were some pretty oh, funny yeah. moments with him and and Mark Marin. The thing about Marin is he's got good taste in music, but he doesn't go super deep like people like you and I do. So it's kind of nope. just whenever he has a musician on, it's kind of he touches on the the high points or the low points. Yeah, I thought the funniest part about it was uh, actually the discussion they had about Mark Arm's. I, I don't know, ancestry, mm-hmm. I guess. The German the Ger- stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. I have a recommend, Ryan. Do you remember, I don't know which episode it was, maybe Desperate Teenage Love Dolls, maybe it was Jordan Schwartz. We were talking about Herb Leno and kind of the desert, the desert rock scene. Oh yeah, we've mentioned a few kind of bands from that scene um and especially in that episode we went on a bit of a deep dive and then there's that documentary coming out too right desolation blah 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 yeah well there's a documentary herb actually sent us a link to called desert age he sent me a link for another one but this one looked better so i watched this one i'll i will watch the other one and report back but desert age is really great it's made by this guy jason pine and it's a really good scene documentary of, of, of the desert scene. It kind of goes through, well, it's got a lot of people we've talked about, like Mario Boomer Lally, who's kind of the kingpin of the scene. And we'll be talking a lot more about him once we get into the sort of quartet and way later down the line, Fatso Jetson. Uh, but Dave Marquis gets interviewed for it. Scott Reeder, all the dudes from Unsound, Herb Leno's in it, Alfredo Hernandez, all the guys from like Queens of the Stone Age, Yawning Man, Caius. There is footage of the Sword of Quartet in it. Uh, it's just really good. They talk about a lot about Caius kind of making it big and stuff. They mention the Obsessed, who we'll be talking about tonight, Wino's band. Caius did their kind of first big tour with opening for the Obsessed. It's really good. They had a really cool scene. It was, again, really insular and they had like, it touches on, well, it doesn't just touch on, it talks a lot about the desert generator parties and they had this really awesome spot, uh, the ruins of a former nudist colony and there was a swimming pool there. This is out in the desert and it was all abandoned and run down and they just had generator parties like right at the edge of the pool and people would skate while they were playing and stuff, skate this pool. And there's tons of great footage and of the bands and stuff. It's really good. Desert Age, check it out. 
was the other one uh well uh, yeah i will check that out for sure because i have seen one called low sound desert is that the other one you were sent it might be yeah and then the other one that is coming out that i mentioned earlier it's actually called desolation center i think yeah Mm, maybe i think so i think that's the one that's coming out it's like been hitting all of the festivals but you can't uh you can't watch it or order it anywhere yet speaking of documentaries have you had a chance to check out that latest doc it's like a four-part punk documentary it's on like some weird streaming service though you got to subscribe to like another streaming service to watch it yeah no i'm not interested yeah kind of seems like the same old song it's the same dudes that always get interviewed and i don't know i'm a huge fan of Nevermind the Bollocks. It's one of my top 10 of all time. And I love like Pill, especially obviously the first three albums, but John Lydon has turned into such an asshole (laughs) that I really don't want to watch anything that he's involved in. And not in like the kind of way that you want John Lydon to be an asshole either. Just like an actual asshole. Yeah, not a thought-provoking asshole. No, just an actual fucking asshole and yeah. it's unfortunate yeah. yeah okay what other spiels you got that's it what do you have i have uh two recommends myself actually uh and one it, my first one is on the documentary tip actually it is it's been out for a while i guess uh but i came across it just on the internet and i was like oh yeah that one i remember seeing it a while back and i thought i would check it out there's lots of music in it that i like it's called Turn It Around, the story of East Bay punk. Hmm. And um, obviously follows like Operation Ivy and Green Day and Rancid and stuff. But uh, a bunch of other music that um, that I like more. There's uh, some definitely some interviews by Jello Biafra. Gary Floyd is interviewed in it. But a lot of other bands from the East Bay scene that are... Definitely not as famous as Green Day and Rancid, like uh, Jawbreaker, for example, that I've always been a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a well done documentary. It's kind of like the quality of documentary as the Descendants filmage type oh, really? documentary. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really high end. It's well done. It's Is not crime in it. Not really. No. Not really. No. <laughs> I mean, way at the early, like way at the beginning of the documentary, they talk about, you know, the late 70s and early 80s. But it's really, really focused on, I would say, mid 80s to the big, you know, pop punk boom. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a lot about Gilman Street. There's a lot about uh, the Riot Girl scene. And you would really like it, though, I think, because there was a lot in it about uh, maximum rock and roll oh yeah and and the uh, contributors there ben weasel is in this documentary metal mike from the angry samoans is in this documentary there's there's lots of good got good points about this documentary so i would check that out okay and then uh, i've my second spiel is another recommend i recommended a band that's related to this one a long time ago to you. I can't even remember what episode it was. A band called Buzz Rodeo. The the guy, the main guy, I guess, um, who's in that band, Ralph Scharschmidt. 
I'm probably mispronouncing that. He's got a new band called Trigger Cut. Okay. And I got that record in the mail all the way from Germany. And it's another really good modern noise rock record. A lot of people kind of, um, you know, characterized Buzz Rodeo and probably Trigger Cut as well as very influenced by Jesus Lizard. And I would say it's safe to say that they are, Mm -hmm. but they stand on their own merits. And if you like that noisy, groovy, rhythmy, screamy type stuff, I would check out Trigger Cut Buster. I really like it. Okay. That's all I got. That's all I got. Do you want to get into some Vitus? I have got my bandana on, my sleeveless vest, and my bell bottoms. So, yes. (laughs) History lesson, part one. Do you remember, Ryan, what back patch I have on my sleeveless vest? I definitely don't. Iron Maiden, two minutes to midnight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At what's, what's the relationship? Just that, like, sleeveless vests, they're a part of you? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no surprise here. This is going to be more of a Brant episode. Um, but you know what? I will say right off the bat, this is the first Vitus that I listened to where I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a real fan of this band. I know that, but I can tell that this is a good record. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what hit me this time. Some of the lyrics on this record are really killer too. Yeah, for sure. Take us to St. Vitus again, Brent. All right. Well, when we last left St. Vitus, if you remember, there was a story, pretty famous story about uh, Scott Rieger's who was already kind of maybe not wanting to to do the Vitus thing anymore, uh, being left at a rest area. Do you remember that story? Yeah. They, were, they yep. were all sleeping, and I think it was Dave Chandler was driving the van, and he he got out to make a phone call, and Scott got out to like take a piss or something, and Dave didn't see. He just assumed everyone was, was sleeping and drove away, and they didn't realize he was, wasn't in the van until they got to like their destination or whatever did a couple shows without him and that was kind of the last draw and apparently at one of these shows wino was there wino of course is scott weinrich who's going to be their their new singer i'm going to just spiel a little bit about wino's band the obsessed they were first called war horse and formed in 1976 in maryland And in the late 70s, they changed their name to The Obsessed and moved to Rockville, Maryland. They were first started in a a town or city called Potomac. They had a track on Metal Massacre 6, uh, which came out in 1985. We've talked about those Metal metal Massacre comps before, Ryan, because Overkill, SST Overkill, had their track No Holds Barred on, I think it was Metal Massacre 2. Those are a compilation series that came out on Metal Blade. And in 85, The Obsessed recorded an album, which never surfaced at the time. And then they split up when Wino left to join St. Vitus. They did reform eventually and released a killer album called Lunar Womb uh, with Scott Reeder in the band, who uh, was in the documentary I just mentioned because he was in Dark Side, that band we really liked off of... Desperate Teenage Love Dolls, he was in Across the River, Caius, etc. The Obsessed has been going off and on ever since then. 
they did release a killer album in 2017 called Sacred. And they're super connected to the DC scene. You hear Ian and Henry talk about them a lot. And like Dave Grohl mentions them all the time as being like super influential band. Joe Lally re-released their first album and an EP. And another full length by a wino band called Spirit Caravan on his Toletta label. So they definitely had connections to the punk scene in DC. They played with Scream, Faith, Bad Brains. They were kind of like motorhead i guess in the sense that you know the punks accepted them yeah a metal band that was accepted you'd probably like the obsessed better than than saint vitus they're a little more rocking not as doomy okay well i'm not really a motorhead fan yeah no they don't sound like motorhead okay i'm just saying like they're like motorhead in the sense that they weren't punks but they played like motorhead played with like the damned and stuff like that all the time you know I got you. Yeah. Yeah. There's been several, I don't know if it's documentaries or maybe just footage of like maybe, I don't know, speaking engagements where Ian McKay goes off on how, how they just love the obsessed. Yeah. So I'm going to be referencing heavily tonight, Ryan. I think I mentioned this before this, well, I've definitely mentioned Decibel magazine in their March, 2010 edition they inducted this album into the hall of fame so i'm not sure if i've mentioned the decibel hall of fame before but what they do is they pick an album but the one criteria is that everybody who participated in the recording of that album has to get interviewed for it to qualify so you can't they can't induct albums where uh, a member is dead like say uh, Master of Puppets by Metallica or something because Cliff Burton ha- is passed away or, you know, where somebody refuses to participate. So this article has all of the band members. That's really weird criteria. Yeah, I guess they, they want to get the full story is kind of their thing, right? Yeah. Dave Chandler, who's kind of the, the guitar player, the main songwriter, and St. Vitus is, is like mm-hmm. his band. Mark Adams, the bass player. Armando Acosta, the drummer, and Scott Wino Weinrich, the vocalist, and the producer Joe Carducci gets interviewed extensively in this as well, which is unusual for the the these articles. They don't usually interview the producer. So here's uh here's Mark Adams being quoted in this article. One of the last shows we did with Scotty was at DC Space in Washington, DC. Wino came to the show that night, and that was actually the first time we met him. We had heard a little bit of The Obsessed, and we really liked his singing, so Scotty just asked him if he'd be interested in taking over for him. Wino said he was interested, so we exchanged information, and a few weeks after we got home from that tour, we gave him a call. So, it was Scott Riegers that was like, hey man, do you want to replace me? (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. Yeah, and apparently it was Ian Mackay who told Wino, you should go check out St. Vitus. I think you'd like them. Huh, no kidding. Yeah. I found a quote in like this Washington City paper. There's a big article that came out around 2000 about a kind of article about Wino's career. And and he's quoted in there as saying, they said to him, well, you sound like Ozzy, so we want you in the band. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're definitely Ozzy influenced for sure. Sabbath influenced. Big time. So this was their third full length album. It's generally considered their best. Just as an example of, you know, how strong they thought these songs were, were their greatest hits album on SST, Heavier Than Thou, which came out 
I don't know when it came out, but it's uh, SST 266, so way, way later. It has every track off this album except for one, The War Starter. Mm-hmm. It was recorded at Total Access in apparently 72 hours. They slept at the studio. And Wino's quoted in this article as saying, We were really well rehearsed. I don't think we played any of these songs more than three times in the studio. We were a well-oiled machine back then, tight and hungry. Here's a thing I got from Joe Carducci, Ryan. He says, I was still at SST for the St. Vitus LP, born too late, though it came out after I left. So I think the cover all got done by Naomi and the band. And in 1985, Spot moved to Austin, so we went into total access with house engineer Mike Lardy, who I knew from the Minutemen, Project Mersh, and DC3 The Good Hex. And also, I think, Light Life as well was recorded with Mike Mike Lardy. I recall being at SST in, in Hawthorne when Dave Chandler brought over the cassette of the early studio tapes by The Obsessed. They had pretty much decided on asking Scott to be their new singer, but I think they wanted my opinion too. I wasn't as enthusiastic as I should have been right off the bat, but I came to love that tape once I got a dub of it. I now think of Wino and his bands as the best thing from the East Coast since the Ramones. And Wino has had a zillion bands. He's been back in St. Vitus off and on, and he's also had some solo acoustic albums. The Obsessed record periodically. He's got a band called Spirit Caravan. He's got a band called The Hidden Hand. He's got some solo acoustic stuff? Yeah. Have you heard it? Yep. What's it like? Uh, it's good. I mean, I really like his voice, so... Here's more, more from Joe. Scott came out and they worked him in, did some gigs, maybe at Music Machine or Wong's West. I remember they were practicing in a shack with a padlock behind the house of a friend of theirs. He was a crackhead, so they worried about the equipment being stolen before they could record. They didn't keep a regular practice place of their own. They rented as needed. I went in there and listened to them go through the new tunes for Born Too Late and made a cassette tape to listen to. They promised they'd practice three more days consecutively before we went into the studio. The previous album, they had come in off a tour, so I was worried about them being as sharp as last time. So there's some stuff from Joe. I also found online a a zine, which was edited by this guy, Jeff Kook Vanderkloot, and it's called Metal Mount. Metal Meltdown. I found this online. It came out in April of 87 and it's got like Fate's Warning, Trouble, uh, Watchtower, all bands I've mentioned on the podcast before that you probably hate. Whoa. Why do you think I hate them? Well, do you? Do you like them? Because they sound like Cathedral. (laughs) If, because if they do, then I, I'm, I may not hate them. I just don't like them. You got to check out Trouble's self-titled album, man. Do I really? Yeah, you really do. It's <laughs> awesome. Rick Rubin produced it. Came out on like Deaf American or whatever in the 90s. What am I in for if I listen to it? Uh, it doesn't sound dissimilar to this record. Oh, it's just some doom? Yeah, but it's a little more rocking, a little more upbeat. Okay. Killer vocals. Okay. So here's from that Metal Meltdown zine. Dave Chandler, we started in 1978, and that, Ryan, is, do you remember what their band was called? St. Vitus's first band? Yeah, before they, well, it was Dave on vocals, and Mark and Armando. I don't, but as soon as you say it, I'm going to remember it. Tyrant. 
Yeah, right. There you go. Yep. Here's Dave again. We've been around for a long time. When the speed metal thing took over in California and in the country, we got put behind everyone. That is why we've been around for this long and only have a couple albums. And then he, the this guy Jeff asks, can we expect a tour from St. Vitus after the January 87 release of Born Too Late? And Dave says, get this, Ryan. We were going to open up for the Beastie Boys, which is really weird. It didn't come through, though, so we're going to go on our own tour around March. So this would have been like License to Ill era Beastie Boys. Did they not open because the Beasties all of a sudden had to play like a big venue or something? Well, I don't know. The Beastie Boys were getting pretty big by that point. Hmm. But the Beastie Boys were heavily connected to uh, Rick Rubin, who gets a thank you in the liner notes to this album. So they obviously knew him. I think he probably hooked them up with some shows because they thank a lot of venues and kind of like the booking agents for each venue, I think. Yeah. I mean, when you read the thank yous, it's like, okay, these guys have been on the road right before this record for sure. Oh, yeah. Here's Dave on the sound of the album. He says, this time we had Mike Lardy, uh, who I mentioned was uh, did Light Life, Project Mersh, The Good Hex, all at Total Access, which is so that's definitely where he recorded out of. Do you remember what band Mike Lardy was in, Ryan? I'm quizzing you tonight. Yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. Are you ever? Uh, Mike Lardy. Not a clue. Great White. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Yeah. How come I can't remember these things? (laughs) Hey, wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. So what was, what was like a hit by Great White? Well, they only had one, and it was the cover of the Mott the Hoople song, or not Mott the Hoople, just uh, Ian Hunter, Once Bitten, Twice Shy. Oh, my God. You know it? Well, this is like a hair metal band, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, forget it. Yeah. Like uh, late 80s or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah, forget it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, not your cup of tea. Mm Mm-mm. Okay, so here's Dave again. Even though he is in a different style metal band, he still added a kind of metal edge to it that seems more sellable. Uh, the song Hag will be the song that is pushed on the radio, which I thought was interesting. No way. Yeah. Here's another cool thing. They played their first show on May 16th, 1986 at Palm... This is with Wino, sorry, first show with Wino. May 16th, 1986 at Palm Springs Community Center with Across the River and DRI. And the whole show, Ryan, is up on YouTube. Whoa. Yeah. It's not the That's best what... recording, but it's cool that Wino's first show uh, got recorded. Yeah, no kidding. Got lots of YouTube videos to check out after the show tonight. Yeah. Ryan, let's go into the tunes here. I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this record. History Lesson, Part 2. Okay, so I mentioned that Decibel Hall of Fame thing. Here's a, a quote from the guy who wrote it, Jay Bennett, who I think might be the editor of Decibel. Um, he calls this album an unmitigated triumph of autobi- autobiographical heaviness. <laughs> Decibel also does these special collector's editions, Ryan. They've done one on thrash metal, one on black metal, and then they have one on doom metal, the top 100 doom metal albums of all time. Okay. Would you like to hear the top 10? Doom metal albums of all time? The yes. top 10? Yes. I do, actually. Okay. What are they? Well, number 10 is the St. Vitus Born Too Late album. No way. Yes. 
Okay. Number nine is Thurgothen, Stream from the Heavens. I don't know this album. I think it might be like Funeral Doom, which I don't like. It's like death metal vocals or like black metal vocals over Doom. Not my cup of tea. I like the Sabbath style Doom metal. But they say that one's good. Electric Wizard, Dope Throne is number eight. Another band that I'm not a huge fan of. I know a lot of people love them and it's for Doom fans for me to diss them is probably blasphemy, but whatever, I'm not into it. Uh, number seven, Pentagram, Relentless. They're more of like a 70s, like a Sabbath type band. You've probably at least seen or heard of the documentary about them. I don't think so. Oh, it's something, it's something to see. What, what's the main story about Pentagram? Uh, just, they've just, <laughs> it's kind of like Anvil or something, you know? <laughs> like that kind of deal. Okay. Yeah. It's probably, like you, it, but, I think it's on YouTube, I think. Or on, okay. sorry, on on Netflix. Or probably on YouTube. I don't remember the name of it, but you should watch it. Okay. Uh, number six, Paradise Lost. Albums Gothic, another band I'm not really into. Number five, Trouble, self-titled album. Killer, killer album. And that one I have to check out. Uh, well, sorry, there's two self-titled Trouble albums. This is the one that came out in 1984. It's also known as Psalm 9, but it's it's self-titled. But Okay, so w- which self-titled Trouble album am I supposed to listen to? The one that came out on Deaf American in the 90s. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, and what year was that first one? 84. Okay, Trouble so goes around... back a long way, man. They're like Yeah, uh, they're around for a while. They're around the same time as Vitus, for sure. Okay. Interesting. Number four, Black Sabbath, Master of Reality. Number three, Cathedral, Forest of Equilibrium. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way in hell I knew that you were going to mention Cathedral (laughs) in this episode, but somehow I mentioned it. Number two, Candlemass, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus. That's pretty classic. (laughs) And number one is the self-titled Black Sabbath album. Oh my gosh. Wow. Vitus makes another appearance in this list too. It's the self-titled one. In the top 100? Yeah. Does So it's Decibel. Is there a top 100 Decibel magazine that you think, you know, was a top 100 of a genre that I would actually be into, like truly, rather mm-hmm. than just here or there? No. It's a metal no. magazine, you know? Okay. Like I said, some of the Hall of Fame stuff you would like because they're they they do Jesus Lizard Goat, isn't it? One of them. Ooh, with Monkey uh, Trick on it. One yeah. of the best songs all time. They've probably done like Helmet Meantime, maybe. Oh yeah. They've for sure done the end of Silence Rollins band. That's a good one. Oh man. Yeah. Now now you're speaking my language. Yeah. Okay, so Ryan, let's go to side one. Well, the cool thing about this record is it's only six songs and it's three per side, which, which I like the cassette of this came out at the same time and the CD came out in October of 87 and it has three extra tracks on it, which we're going to be getting to in about, I don't know, 40 episodes or so SST 119 thirsty and miserable EP. Those are on the CD. That's the version I have. Yeah. So when I, when I was listening to this rotation wise this week, I would be listening to those two as well. So I kind of skipped ahead. Okay. So the first song is kind of like their theme song, Born Too Late, written by 
uh, Dave Chandler and Scott Riegers actually wrote this one, uh, wrote the lyrics. It starts with that now trademark Dave Chandler guitar sound. Uh, I love Armando's drumming on this one. What I wrote is I like how he spaces out the kick drum pattern. And there's a thing on that in this Decibel article, actually, that I thought was kind of interesting. Well, I'm just going to read everything they say about the, the track Born Too Late. The guy doing the interview says, Born Too Late really seems like Vitus's theme song. And Dave says, absolutely, Born Too Late is the philosophy we had because our very first show was in August of 79, and I always said that if we had done our first show in August of 69, playing the same music and wearing the same clothes, we would have had a better chance of getting noticed. Hmm. Wino says, I remember hearing demo tapes of that particular song with Scotty singing. Most of the songs on, that al- on the album were written before I joined the band. The way he sang that one was especially interesting and kind of bizarre. He had that whole operatic thing. It was pretty trippy. But yeah, David never wanted to change anything about Vitus. He stuck to his guns through thick and thin, and I totally respect him for that. And here's the cool thing about the drum pattern. This is Dave again. If you listen to the beginning of the song, the bass drum is doing a steady beat, and all of a sudden, it's not there. What happened with that was Armando fucked up on that song, and for some reason, we didn't have him punch it in right away. By the time we started mixing, every single person had forgotten about it, and the drums weren't even in the studio anymore. We played it back. <laughs> we played it back and I was like, fuck, we forgot the drum. But the funny thing is that Armando was very particular about sounding like the record. I'll always give him credit for that. So when we played the song live afterwards, he always left that drum out so everyone would, would think it was done on purpose. Wow. And now it's now it's like a notorious part of the sound, right? Yeah. Well, it works. I I like it. So I didn't realize I I mean I kind of I caught it when listening to it, actually, now that you mention it, but I was kind of like, oh, that's what doom bands sound like. Yeah. It's kind of what I was thinking. And so I guess a question I have, do you think or are you aware of other bands that kind of copped that pause, that sound? Well, a lot of his drumming is very uh, reminiscent of Bill Ward's drumming, like the way he hits the kick drum and stuff. So I would... I would say Sabbath did this already, you know, 15 years prior. Okay. So, and then Wino really announces himself on this one. Every time I'm on the streets, people laugh and point at me. They talk about my length of hair. (laughs) (laughs) And the out-of-date clothes I wear. It's pretty awesome stuff. Yeah, well... I mean, you've never seen me bang my head before, but this is the song that was like, oh yeah, I could see when someone is, like, when they were playing this song, the the St. Vitus diehards, they would be banging their heads oh, yeah. so, so hard at this. But I also kind of identified with it too, because, you know, and the out-of-date clothes I wear, I mean, hey, I walk around with, 25 year old black band t-shirts on the same ones still yeah like i still wear my the melvin's the maggot tour shirt and the the eyes still glow in the dark that's a quality t-shirt yeah 25 years 29 years actually technically speaking yeah for sure (laughs) (laughs) wow so yeah uh Wino's obviously a very different vocalist from Scott Riegers. He still throws in a little bit of the 
theatrical stuff. Maybe that might just be leftovers from like hearing the Scott version of this, you know? Like there's stuff on here that you can totally hear Scott Riegers doing like the They say I play my songs much too slow. Do you think he's kind of just blending in a little bit of Riegers into his wino? Maybe. He's got a Oh dude, I I totally overspoke. It's not 29-year-old shirt, it's only a 19-year-old shirt. Sorry. Still pr- plenty old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it out of date though? Yeah. Well, Melvin's never go out of date, man. True that. Wino's definitely got a deeper baritone than uh than Scott Riegers. They had to drop the tuning half a step down to E flat to make it work for Wino. Oh, that's interesting. I really like the guitar solo on this song from Dave. It really reminded me of Paul Leary, actually, from the Butthole Surfers. It's a really fuzzy ripper. And this song is almost seven minutes long. It's the longest song on the album. Yeah, well, it takes like a minute to get going. Yeah. Track two, Clear Window Pane, written by Dave Chandler. Do you know what Clear Window Pane is, Ryan? I don't. Is it like, is it about weed? It's acid. Oh, okay. About, I was close. It's about dosing. <laughs> yeah, well, I was close. <laughs> and the lyrics kind of give it away. My walls are a living light show. Purple dragons smoke with me. Wino definitely channels a bit of Riegers on this one. Like there's a f- part where he's freaking out from the acid, like on an acid trip. This one kind of ends abruptly at, and it's only three, four, three minutes, 14 seconds. It's the shortest song on the album by a whole two minutes. I kind of thought it was weird how this one ended. In this Decibel article, Dave Chandler says that um, Clear Windowpane was kind of a tribute to Blue Cheer, if you want to call it that. We tried to incorporate stuff from bands that we liked, and Blue Cheer is a kind of acid. And Clear Windowpane is a kind of a- acid. The strongest I'd ever taken. The whole first side of this album is basically the story of Vitus and Vitus's lifestyle. That's what Dave says. Track three, Dying Inside, written by Dave Chandler. It's got kind of depressing lyrics, which I guess is the point. It's about alcoholism. Interesting to me when they go to the guitar solo here that it's not double tracked. And the bass to me sounds a little, it almost sounds a little flat. Huh. I don't know if they wanted it to sound like it, you know, how it was going to sound live. The interesting thing is Wino is a guitar player, right? He just kind of said, like, I didn't want to play guitar and... Dave Chandler is kind of, you know, wants, I think, Vitus to be a one-guitar band. We will be hearing uh, Wino play some guitar on the next St. Vitus full-length Mournful Cries, which came out in 1988, though. Here's something I got from Joe Carducci, though, kind of about the recording. He says they were still recording like a garage band in the sense that they played the tunes live with their live arrangements. We may have overdubbed a rhythm guitar under a solo on one of the tunes, which is kind of backwards. What he's saying is they overdubbed the rhythm instead of overdubbing the lead. Right. Yeah. He says, next time we managed to plan out non-live rhythm, rhythm guitar arrangements so we could overdub the solos. Joe says, I let Mike Lardy use a noise gate somewhere on the drums, and that was a mistake that I didn't hear till we were done. Now I hear it loud and clear on a couple tunes. Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's pretty critical of himself like i don't notice either of those points on the record yeah it's a good sounding record better than it's the best sounding record we've heard from vitus in my opinion yeah it's not quite as muddy as the other ones and you must have really liked it when there was some 
shredding going on because you can hear the shredding very clearly on this record. For sure. Yep. Yeah. Here's what Dave Chandler says about dying inside. Uh, he's asked if it was reflected of Vitus's lifestyle at the time. He says, dying inside really was because I wrote that on a really bad hangover when we were on the road and hangovers are even worse when you're not in the comfort of your own home. I remember sitting, <laughs> I remember sitting in a parking lot in Rhode Island writing those lyrics. So that ends side A, Ryan. Then we flip it over to side B and we've got Hag written by Chandler and Gonzalez. So I clicked on him his name on Discogs and the only other thing, Robert Gonzalez is the dude, the only th other thing I found him on was uh, this compilation Welcome to Venice the number two Welcome to Venice, the first one is a famous comp associated with suicidal tendencies and the band's kind of related to them Welcome to Venice, looks like a bunch of Venice beach bands again and he was in a band called Damaged Kids which I couldn't find anything else about He's the vocalist in that band. And here's what Dave Chandler says in this Despel article about Reggie Gonzalez. He was a friend of ours from high school. We didn't actually go to school with him because he lived in a different town, but he was one of those guys who was always at parties and always helping us out. He was our roadie on our first couple tours, and he ended up working for Black Flag for a while. At the time I was writing Born Too Late, I had two songs that I didn't know what to do with. He had this cryptic poem that he had written, and he goes, why don't you make this into a song? So I kind of redid his poem a little bit and put the two songs together to make the music work. The term hag was what we'd call each other when someone was pissed off or throwing a fit. We'd say, quit being a hag or whatever. For the song, we added the extra A, so it stood for Hell Ain't a Game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice I was going to ask like what's it what does it mean do they actually spell that out in the song I didn't catch that well later on in this article Mark Adams they get asked about being Christians right right we've talked about that before he references this song and prayer for the masses from Hollow's victim to let people know that they that they were believers or whatever so I guess the lyrics, like, hell ain't a game. Joe Carducci told me something about this song, like, being written into response to, like, some satanic bands or something like that, you know? Name me some satanic bands, Brent. No, name, name me some. Name you some satanic bands? Yeah, name me some. Come oh, on. Oh, uh, Merciful Fate. Okay. Venom, who famously, you know, were not satanists. Supposedly King Diamond from Merciful Fate was. I remember when I was a kid at the height of like satanic panic, there was a big article with him in Rip magazine where they were like, are you a real Satanist? And he was like, yeah, but like merciful fate for sure. And then I don't know, way later, of course, the black metal stuff like Bathory and uh, the Norwegian stuff like mayhem and church burners, church burners. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Bathory Celtic frost, Celtic frost is satanic. Uh, well, I don't know how much they talked about Satanism, but... They seemed like they were kind of, uh, I mean, I guess, known in the mainstream a bit for mm. being Satanic. Yeah, Slayer, for sure. On like They're Rain... Satanic? Oh, yeah, Rain and Blood. No way. Oh, dude, hold on. Are you going to prove their Satanism to me? Yeah. You... I'm so glad I asked this question. <laughs> Oh, you guys can't see this, but Brent's 
black candles are all flickering now. <laughs> <laughs> They're all flickering. Here's the Something lyric. Happened. Here's the lyrics to the Slayer's Altar of Sacrifice, Ryan. Kate. Waiting the hour destined to die here on the table of hell, a figure in white, unknown by man, approaching the altar of death. High priest awaiting, dagger in hand, spilling the pure virgin blood. Satan slaughter, ceremonial death. Answer his every command. What do you think of that? I don't know if that's satanic. Well, what about the part where he says, "Enter to the realm of Satan." Oh, maybe. Blood turning yeah. black, the change has begun. Feeling the hatred of all damned in hell. Flesh starts to burn, twist, and deform. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You, I think you mean awesome. What's that? I think you mean that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I do. <laughs> Anyways, back to Hag. This song starts out pretty unmemorable for me, but then it shifts to like this Sabbath crawl and that he starts doing like the Black Sabbath trills, you know, off of like the song Black Sabbath. Oh, like the hammer-ons? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I I love how it shifts over. Like it kind of goes from a bit of a fa fast to like the slower. And uh, then it's got some killer production with this, the song that has, puts the echo on Wino's vocals. Are your shivering limbs intact? Tact, tact. That part? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty wicked. So let me ask you this. Before we did this week's episode, were you like a fan and listened to this record before? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really, hey? Yeah. Oh, cool. Track two, The Lost Feeling, written by Dave Chandler. This one... Sounds like the Melvins boosted the bass line for the bloat. Did you catch that? I did not. Huh. Are you going to play it for me? No, I'm not, but listen to it again sometime. It sounds like the okay. bloat to me. Okay, interesting. They always play the bloat live these days. Do they? Like it's a, it's a, oh yeah, it's a real crowd pleaser, This that one. That's a good one to play. Oh yeah. It's weird. When Stag came out, everyone was like, this album sucks. That's but... what I said when I first heard it. I oh, hated man. it, and then I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. I remember I had a disc man and like one of those cassettes that you plug into your cassette player in your, in car, your car that you can oh, hook yeah. a disc man up to. And I bought stag like the day it came out on CD and was For going 30, 30 bucks. Yeah. Right? I was going on a road trip and I, me and another friend who was a Melvin's fan and we were like, what the fuck is this garbage? We just hated it. You know what? That's how I felt about the SNFU album, Something Green and Leafy. Oh, really? Yeah, when that album came out, I was like, oh my God, this sucks. Hmm. And then, but then, like, I don't know, it's become one of my favorite SNFU albums of all time. Isn't that weird how that happens from it time is. to time? I saw them on that tour and they played like all of those songs. So I was primed for that one. You yeah. know, like when you see a band play new songs and then you buy the album at the gig and you you're pretty pumped because you just heard them all and you want to go home and listen to it. It was like that. Oh yeah. 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 No, I get, I totally get that too, but I listened to it and it was like, this is so weird. This doesn't sound anything like if you swear, you know? And I was, yeah. I was kind of like not expecting what they sounded like. And then I, I love all their epitaph albums. I love them. Yeah. Well, if you read the SNFU book, that was definitely, they were trying to, not change their sound because it still sounds like SNFU, but they were definitely trying to maybe 
they were seeing which way the wind was blowing for sure with all those epitaph bands and they were trying to get a piece of it i think yeah i've read the book i didn't really pick that out but i did read into it that you know they were definitely aware that there was an opportunity and like look if we were a little bit more melodic you never know and it just turns out that like snfu even when they try and go a little mersh they're never going to be mainstream no no way uh, anyways, back to this song, The Lost Feeling. Wino's channeling Scott Riegers a little bit again. He's This is the song that's about depression, right? So he's, it's like depression is talking to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like whispering and doing like the Aussie chuckle and stuff. <laughs> Chuckling, it's pretty good. Uh, this one, the drum pattern, speaking of uh, Bill Ward from Black Sabbath, the drum pattern with like the kick and the rim shots is definitely a reference to the Black Sabbath track hand of doom and then we end the album with the war starter again solely written by dave chandler this is a cool epic dirge to kind of end the album dig the flanger on dave's guitar here i love like these noisy dave chandler guitar solos they just do it for me they work perfectly for for saint vitus dave says in this decibel article he says the war starter was a riff i had for years but armando refused to play it because it was too simple too simple hey yeah Armando's pretty funny. He gets interviewed a lot in this and like there's a part where he talks about getting like playing with punk bands and and stuff. And he's like, "We never gave up the stage." We never gave up the stage, yeah. Yeah, well they definitely believed it. Let's do the artwork, Ryan. Cuz there's lots of cool stuff here. Yeah, I've got an observation about my CD when it's time. Let me know. Okay. So the cover is famous for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> It was supposed to be a different color, not purple. And the window was supposed to be the size of the full album. Like if you see it on vinyl, <laughs> the window is like super small, you know? It was supposed to be the, the size of the whole album. And I in the in the decibel that's a, that's a little uh, a little spinal tap action going for on. For sure it is, yeah. <laughs> Mark says in this article, the test pressing SST showed us looked fine, but some Somebody goofed up and sent the wrong thing to the printer. Apparently, Naomi Peterson took this photo in Europe of this like this window in a church or whatever. And here's a quote from Dave Chandler in the article. Yeah, it's not supposed to look like a cutout that's glued to a piece of paper. <laughs> he says, I designed all our album covers and all our album covers are not what I designed. Not a single one. that's too bad yeah yeah it is too bad the back cover is like this purple hued like photo collage and you've got armando's got a pretty big drum kit it's pretty awesome you got wino rocking like the sleeveless vest dave playing like the tony iomi sg of course and looks like mark adams is playing a ricky hey uh What's the name of that band where there are guys from Sleep in it? You mentioned last episode. High on Fire. Right. So Sleep, their bass player, he's got a like a signature Rickenbacker that just came out, bass. Oh, wow. And it's got two pickup covers, and it's got these really cool green kind of inlays on the fretboard. It's, it's like the nicest Rickenbacker I've ever seen. It's just... Yeah insane and you can tell that when that guy plays it 
he's playing like some serious doom bass for sure. There's no way it's nicer than Lemmy's Ricky, but I bet it's nice. Oh, it looks, it's a modern custom Rick with uh, these green inlays. It's really slick. I don't know. Yeah. Lemmy's is like got a hand carved pattern in it. Had. It's pretty <laughs> wicked. <laughs> but I mean, Lemmy put Rick and Backer on the map, man. Big you think time. so? Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the thank you list, Ryan, because it's, there's some interesting stuff in there. Uh, they thank Joe Carducci, uh, Mike, let's hear it loud, Lardy, which is an awesome nickname. <laughs> <laughs> and then they thank some people from S- SST. So I'm going to test you here. See if you've been paying attention. Oh my God. So they thank Rich. You know who that is? The Just the name Rich? Yeah. No. Okay. Well, I'm guessing it's Rich Ford from SWA because he quit SWA to work at SST. Okay. They thank Ray. Any guesses? Are, are you, te- are, are I'm you testing, testing you? I'm testing, testing you. Oh, yeah. God. Oh. Ray? Ray Farrell. Well, I was going, is it Ray Pettibone, Ray Farrell, or Ray Cooper? I don't know. Probably Ray Farrell. Okay, this is, okay. An, this is an easy one, Ryan. I'm just guessing myself, so there's no wrong, okay. there's no wrong answers here, but I'm going to give you an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me it's not going to be easy. It is easy. Spaceman. Okay. Uh, oh, which spaceman? I'm guessing the, the second one. There was two. Yeah. Don't forget. Don't forget. Yeah. I'm guessing it's Michael Whitaker. Uh, yep. M- Mugger, we know. Reggie, I think we've heard that name before, but I don't know who that is. Davo, heard that name lots. Yeah. Dave the Driver, Dave Clausen. Scotty, not sure who they mean there. Riggers? Maybe. I don't think they'd be, like, this is kind of the SST crew that they're all thanking at once. So. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they thank Jordan. Schwartz? Probably, up. Yeah. Chuck, Greg, Naomi, Dave, and Brian Ratt. So we know who Dave Ratt is. I don't know who Brian Ratt is, though. Linda? Yeah, we know who Linda is. Linda Kite. Yeah. Kara? Oh, Kara. You mentioned her in the last episode. Yeah, Kara Nix. And then they thank a whole bunch of clubs and promoters, in, like I said, including Rick Ru- Rick Rubin and The World in New York. So I don't know if The World was like a venue he booked or what. And then I want to read the the band thank yous because I think it really illustrates how St. Vitus kind of straddled two worlds musically, like the punk yeah. scene and the metal scene. So, of course, they thank Black Flag, Across the River, Trouble, COC, uh, The Brood, which is a band you definitely would not like but i am a big fan of <laughs> <laughs> they toured with the brood I'll, I'll put it to you this way their logo was drawn by pusshead ryan so dead giveaway that's that like, you don't like them that's like a metallica drawer guy right yeah zorlax skateboards yeah their drummer avery smith was played on the first suicidal tendencies record and him and the guitarist todd moyer were also in like this th- kind of th- crossover thrash band uncle slam uh, John Nelson from The Brood was also in Suicidal at some point. And their their album that I have on, which is on Profile Records, which we've mentioned a few times, was produced, oh, yeah. by, was pu- produced by Glenny Friedman, which I thought was kind of cool. Which band is that? Uh, they're called The Brood. Not to be confused oh, yeah, yeah. with the all-girl band that's on Get Hip. Yeah, yeah. This is a metal band. More of a crossover band, I would say. Continuing on with the thank yous, they thank GBH. DRI, Celtic Frost, Dark Angel, Cro-Mags, who by this point were 
turning into metal. A, turning into a metal band. Yep. Totally. Uh, Husker. That's what it says. Just Husker, not the Husker, not the Huskers. Just Husker. Meat puppets, fire hose, and then it says "Welcome Ed" in brackets, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, some bands I don't know: Homo Picnic, Hated Principles. Don't know either of those bands. Then they thank Tom's Dog, reference to Tom Tricoli. Yep. Bad Brains, DC3, Descendants, Swaw, Gone, Saccharin, Painted Willy, Obsessed, Pentagram, a couple more bands I don't know, Asylum, Slam, Agnostic Front, who would soon also morph into a metal band. This is the era where a lot of punk bands are getting, are like crossing over, right? Like DRI and COC, Gang Green, all those kinds of bands. Uh, Dehumanizers, who are like a hardcore hardcore band from Seattle. It's a pretty long thank you list. It ends with them going later, Vitus 86. And when you flip it over, there is a photo of them looking pretty badass. Uh, Mark and Dave are wearing bullet belts, which were like all the rage at the time with the thrash bands. You have to admit, Ryan, they look pretty cool in this photo. You have to admit it. So which photo is it? Because I, again, I, I want to talk about my version of this. Oh, but okay. Well, yeah, the, the because, dead giveaway but, in the photo I'm talking about is Armando is kind of predating Slash, sporting a pretty gnarly top hat. Yeah, so the photos inside my CD version are really tiny black and white live shots, and that's it. Okay. And, well, this is like a this is like a Naomi Peterson like promo photo. No, no, I don't have that. Okay, well we're gonna post it, so check it out because it's pretty awesome. Armando's got like a handlebar, like the Lemmy. Yeah. The like the sideburns with the mustache, but nothing on the chin. And oh, you wish you could. You wish you could pull that off, don't you? <laughs> I do. He's wearing mirrored <laughs> shades, and he's also wearing a tyrant T-shirt, and he. <laughs> And like him in this photo, man, like Armando was ex, ex, an ex cop and also ex military. And like, you would not mess with Armando. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And Dave's got his trademark bandana and his black Sabbath cross on and, uh, Wino's in what he calls his death glam phase. Like he's a little glammed up. He's wearing leather pants and stuff. Uh, which apparently they told him to ditch all that stuff when he moved out to LA. And their logo's on the bottom of this. And man, like St. Vitus has the coolest logo. The, uh, like, it's like the calligraphy with the little tails and and the two crosses, three crosses. Yeah. It kind of predates, like, the black metal logos that would come later. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You know, the black and white records with this type of writing... And guys like wearing, you know, face paint yep. and long hair. Yeah. When when I'm flipping through them in the bins, it's just like, keep on moving past these ones. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. Yeah. You want the dead wax, Ryan? Well, is dead wax going to be the last part of History Lesson Oh, right. Two? You want to talk about the CD. Well, I've got, I've, I've got something to drop on you here. Which, okay. Lay it on me. I don't know. I'm interested to know what you think. So when we started out this show, I was like, okay, I've got to, I've got to get some St. Vitus stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go and try and find St. Vitus albums. Right. And 
and they're not easy to find actually at least in my city and good luck finding them for a reasonable price on amazon you might so, be able to get these direct from sst still but go ahead well okay we'll wait for it okay. so i went on discogs and i found a seller called saint vitus all right and saint vitus i don't know how many records saint vitus has but this seller saint vitus sells all of the sst saint vitus albums and a ton more um like new sealed okay. so anyways i ordered every saint vitus uh record from from saint vitus <laughs> on discogs sealed brand new sealed okay okay and i got this cd and it's um it's the born too late cd with the uh thirsty and miserable 12 inch and i kid you not i opened it up and it is a it's a silk screened cdr version of the cd oh weird and yeah and you can tell that it's it's like the bottom of the cd is green right hmm. but it looks like a legit print job on the inlay and stuff that's why I mean, like, I've got different artwork on the inside. And I'm just wondering, because the vinyl I got, like the, the self-titled St. Vitus. Right. That's the one where it's got the big SVS. Right. It came with, like, chrome silver. Yeah, that's like the, the original version I think you got, probably. Well, I think I got a brand new reproduction of it huh. from, from St. Vitus. But I wonder... I just wonder if the seller, St. Vitus on Discogs, is actually St. Vitus. And they're bootlegging their own shit and selling. <laughs> well, either that or somebody's bootlegging bootlegging them, you know? Yeah. Well, someone definitely is. Yeah. And I just wonder if it's St. Vitus. But anyways, I gave this St. Vitus um, a chunk of change for every one of the records. Well, pretty safe and, bet that Greg Ginn doesn't listen to this podcast. So I hope we're not like ratting anybody out here yeah i hope not <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it yeah <laughs> oh well anyways hit me with some dead wax all right side a it's time for sneak a toke <laughs> oh god <laughs> side b renfield lives don't know what that sneak means sneak a toke and renfield lives yeah inside <laughs> jokes i bet maybe not sneak a toke <laughs> yeah, pretty safe to say I know what that means. Yeah, that's an outside joke. Yeah. All right, Brent, I'm waiting for you to tell me what the ballot result is. Ballot result. All right, well, again, uh, man, I just love it, you know, when it's a Brent album and you don't even give a shit what song, <laughs> what song it is. <laughs> Wait for next week. Yeah. Yeah. Do you... Do you have a favorite though? Oh, well, I mean, if I was going to pick something, it has to be born too late. I, again, like I'm not going to be a huge fan of St. Vitus, but I can tell this is a good record and that is a good song and it catches you right off the bat. Let me lay a quote on you from Mark Adams. Even today, it seems like born too late is the song of ours that people react to the most. The kids really seem to identify with the lyrics. And even you identified with the lyrics, Ryan. 
I totally did. Yeah. It has to be Born Too Late, man. That's like their theme song. Okay. Look at that. I picked it. Yep. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole album's good, man. Everybody who's listening to this should go on to Discogs right now. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't go on there. Someone's bootlegging St. Vitus. <laughs> Ryan, what's next week? So next week is SST 83, the DC3 album, You're Only As Blind As Your Mind Can Be. And Brad, we've got a special guest. Yeah, that's right. Dezo's on the podcast. Yeah, Des Kadena himself. Very cool to have him on. Looking forward to getting into DC3. So far, I haven't been as into it as Brand. But hey, look, the last album by Swa, that one sunk its hooks into me. I'm starting to get a little Vitus. Maybe this is the DC3 album that'll snag me too. Next thing you know, you're going to be asking me if where I can source a back patch. <laughs> For what band? Though? I have an extra one here. It's hanging on my wall. It's a Dio back patch. No, thanks. You're out? <laughs> Man, I'm <laughs> offering you a Dio back patch and you're going to turn that down? 100%. All right. It's 100%. got some like Conan the Barbarian shit on it even. <laughs> 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 oh, oh man speaking of bootlegs uh, i'm pretty sure it's not official deal merchandise oh yeah did yeah. you get that charisma <laughs> <laughs> speaking of bootlegs i used to buy bootleg shirts off of that dude man i bought you know the i'm pretty did minor threat actually make t-shirts or were they like had they already not committed to like not making uh i don't know i think i think that was more fugazi but i could be wrong i definitely bought tons of bootleg shirts off that guy yeah and off of uh boodlum in boodlums in edmonton yeah i bought uh the the minor threat shirt of the beer bottle wearing the leather jacket you know of course and the shirt like the the t-shirt itself was like paper thin (laughs) (laughs) like you could spit through it (laughs) whatever it takes yeah whatever it takes to look cool oh yeah i definitely bought shit at charisma yeah okay did you buy incense there too though no (laughs) (laughs) no i bought i bought like pins and shirts for sure yeah maybe a, a a wallet uh with a chain on it or two nice a chain wallet with snaps nice at least at least two of those yeah at least I think we should probably um we should probably edit out the Saint Vitus bootleg. No way, man, that's staying in. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna make Gin sue the actual guys from Saint Vitus. No. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.